Good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you guys are listening. Today is Monday, December 24th, and we've got another great episode of Pocket Thoughts in store for you guys. On today's episode, we discuss how we think entrepreneurship has changed in the past five years and what we predict will happen in the next five to ten years. We then talk about what we think is the most important trait, characteristic, mindset, whatever it may be, that is missing from college students coming straight out of school and into the workforce. Next, we share what our favorite application is that we're using right now for development and talk about an app that isn't out there right now that we wish we had. It's some pretty interesting ideas coming in our heads and hopefully one day we can see some of these ideas become an actual thing. As always, subscribe to us, let us know what you thought of the show, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and spread the word about Pocket Thoughts. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Pocket Thoughts. We're happy to have you here. We got the whole crew together again. We're excited to have you here tonight. Tonight, we're going to be starting off with the smartest man in the room. Some call him the Alpha, the Omega. We call him Bobby Mason. We're excited to jump into it. So, Bobby, let us know what you're interested about. Okay, I got a big question out of the gate, so everyone get excited (laughs) for this 10 seconds of Bobby Mason. How has entrepreneurship changed in the past five years? And then what do you predict will happen in the next five to 10? We'll start with Brady. (laughs) I appreciate you bringing it back to me. Yeah. So one of the things that I've noticed in entrepreneurship in the last five years is that it has changed to, I hesitate to say this, but a fad. I think it has changed to a fad and I think it's changed to something that now everybody thinks that it's their calling to be an entrepreneur, if that makes sense. Like it's, I think it's kind of like a style, like a stylistic, sexy lifestyle choice now that you can just like run your own business and do your own thing. The concept of not having to work for anybody and creating your own schedule, but people don't realize what comes with that. And I think a lot of people don't have experience in, in some of the areas and just jump into it thinking that it's not going to take the work and the time that it does. Um, so that's one thing that I've that I've noticed in the last five years, and I think you guys can can chime in on this and let me know what you think. But that's a big thing that I've noticed that it just turned from something that was a smaller group of, it was almost, I won't say outcasts, but I was like a much smaller group of people that were kind of doing their own thing to now everyone is an entrepreneur. And I think that's because of how like social media and everything has changed, um, how accessible information is. But that's one thing that I've noticed in, in the last five years. And I, I can go to the second part, but I'd like to hear what other people think about where entrepreneurship has changed the last five years. Yeah, I think mine kind of goes with how you ended yours on like social media and stuff and like promoting your brand and your company has never been easier with that. Just because you can connect with so many people and just by even like using a hashtag, like it's one word, you can get people that are following that hashtag or even just checking out that hashtag and they'll see your brand or your company and potentially be a new client or just someone that's going to follow you. Mine sort of goes along with it what you guys are saying with more people i guess jumping on the bandwagon if you will how i see it as and this might not be in the last five years but maybe the last five ten something like that it's obviously become more acceptable of a 
actual career path. It used to be more of just like a side gig or just like a hobby of some sort. And then that might come to fruition where something might come of that and like an actual business. But nowadays, like people fully commit to being an entrepreneur. You can study entrepreneurship in school and you can actually just devote your whole self to being an entrepreneur. And that's kind of crazy how it's I, like, that's something I never would have thought about is studying. I mean, like, I, Bobby, I know you did, but um, just like <laughs> studying to be newer, it's, it sounds crazy because it's, it's something that, how do you study to be an entrepreneur? I feel like you have to experience it. I don't know. Anyways, that's like a whole new conversation. Uh, yeah. That's kind of how I've seen it change in the last five, 10 years or so. Yeah. I agree with all of your guys' points big time. So I definitely think entrepreneurship has been glamorized into a, this crazy, super cool, super popular, get everything you want career. It's actually crazy. If you look at statistics now, out of the 7 billion people on this earth, 400 million categorize themselves as entrepreneurs. That's, that's mind-blowing. 400 million? What is that? Like one in eight people? One in ten? One in eight? Maybe. I don't know, man. <laughs> Whatever. 400 million he entrepreneurs. Classes. He only took entrepreneurship classes. Yeah. Either way, that's insane. And they did, a, they did a study two years ago. They asked people what the most popular career choice should be and which ones they idolize the most. And two out of three people said it was the smartest career choice to become an entrepreneur. Two out of three. Which is mind-blowing to me because they also asked people about what they thought was awesome about entrepreneurship. And a lot of them said that it was awesome that they're going to make millions of dollars. That's usually people's comments. Like they're going to make millions of dollars. But the truth is the average founder is only making $50,000 a year. And the big thing is they're not only just working the 40 hour work week, the average founder actually works 66 hours a week, 66 and they're only making 50 grand a year. So I think everyone should actually look into the statistics of entrepreneurship, but I don't think that never comes to the surface. That's never shown in social media. It's always the guys with their private jets, the pretty women, the nice cars, and it's not the guys that are hustling every day and barely making things work. So that's what I think entrepreneurship has become in the last five years. Now, if we want to go around the, or Joy, do you have something else to say? I was going to say something regarding, well, I, I definitely think it's true that, or I mean, it's obviously a fact, I guess, that making roughly 50 grand or something like that, the average founder. But I think the average founder who is seriously committed to entrepreneurship could, and, and this isn't to defeat your point or whatever like that, but I feel like they definitely could make more, but they're committed to their business. So they're actually reinvesting a lot of that money into the business and not taking it out themselves as in like distributions or whatnot. I just think that that's kind of a, another point that might be important looking at it that, that way. Well, I think another thing is like a lot of people are under the impression that the founders make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Usually companies, their top salespeople are making more money than the founders. And if you look at a lot of founders out there, if you're in it to make money, and I think Gary Vee hits on this all the time, but if you're in it to make money, you could have just become the 20th, 30th 
100th employee at Facebook and you're going to make more than 99.9% .9 of all founders of all companies in the world. For you to make a boatload of money as an entrepreneur, your company has to get pretty big. And the idea that you're going to just easily make a company that does a million dollars in revenue when you're just half-assing it, I, I think that's the way things are seen today. I think people view entrepreneurship as like a quick turnover. Like they believe they're going to make that unicorn company right out of the gate. I don't even think that's the case. Like I, I agree with you that I think people see it as like a quick turnaround. What I think a lot of people see it as, which is obviously not true, is <laughs> less work for more money, right? Like I think a lot of people see like, oh, I don't have to go into the office. Like I can make my own hours. So I'll work like whenever I want to. And then, cause like, I don't need to be going to the office and like getting all this, like taken out from whatever the company is like, I can do that all my own, but people don't realize like all the overhead that comes with that. And like the expenses that come with that, like making product or doing whatever you're doing, or just like getting to the office or getting office space, getting like laptop, getting things that like matter. And I think like a lot of that adds up over time. And then when you don't have someone and like we've talked about this a lot like when you don't have someone if you don't have a reason to go to the office you don't have a reason to work like a lot of people it's easy to just be like ah i'm gonna put in four hours today instead of 10 because like people's self-discipline isn't that good so i think it's like obviously people can make it happen but it's a lot of people that are looking for that quick turnover and looking for less work and i don't think that's the vast majority but i think there's more people doing that because they see the glamorized sexy feel of what people believe that entrepreneurship is right now. Yeah. So what do you see it being in five to 10 years from now? I don't know. So when you look at adoption curves, right? My big thing is I wonder where we are on that adoption curve as it pertains to entrepreneurship. Cause we have all these people flooding into the market right now. And I think we have a lot of like very similar people that don't really understand what all goes into it. That don't have the experience that goes into it. Or maybe they worked for 10 years. And now they just think like, Oh, like, why wouldn't I just work for myself instead? And I'm wondering if that's going to start churning people back into industry or how that's going to work. Because like, I think there is a way that it works that our economy runs on multiple different small businesses and people working. But at some point that market gets saturated as well, whether it's with products, whether it's with certain services. And I'm interested if everybody flooding into that market is going to change how many people are doing it, what they're doing, that sort of thing. Because on the other side of it, people are having more and more of an opportunity to do entrepreneurship because of social media, because of technology, because people can make a business, can make a brand and have 100,000 followers or a million followers just through a YouTube channel and no other experience. So I'm curious how that's going to shape it. And I, I, don't, I don't know if I have a great answer for that. Yeah, I think I... I agree with that. Mine is more people getting into entrepreneurship because like I'll bring up Gary Vee again and we'll bring him up every episode probably. But I think like just seeing his stuff like on LinkedIn and everything, I see more and more people or even Instagram like liking his stuff. And I think like for me, you can't look at that stuff and not get like motivated to go out and do your own thing because you see people like him and people anyone else that does the same thing that he's doing. It's like starting their own stuff and putting so much work behind it and how, watching how successful they become. And I think people are going to start seeing that stuff more and more and be like, okay, I can do this. And then like Brady was saying, it's just going to get pretty saturated with people thinking that like anyone can do it and it's going to be so easy and not realizing how much work actually goes into it. So I just think 
basically a lot more people are going to be into it. Brady's talking about the adoption curve. I agree, it's gonna it's gonna burst sometime, but I think in the next 10, 15 years, I think it's gonna keep growing. I think it is. I I don't think it's gonna burst for a while, and. I don't know what's going to be the realization for it to burst, whether it be, oh, shit, this is actually a lot of work, or, oh, man, I'm not making any money doing this. I don't know what's going to cause it, but I definitely think entrepreneurship's here to stay for a little while at least. I never thought of it, like what Brady said, as a fad, which it, it definitely may be now that I'm thinking about it and stuff like that. It's That's an interesting way to look at it. So I actually, I could be 100% wrong, but I actually think the next five to 10 years are going to do the opposite of what you think they might do, Joey. I truly believe that the market is going to correct, right? So like, I was just going to say. Like, yep, I, really, I really hardcore believe that the market's going to correct. And over the last 10 years, entrepreneurship has become popular. Everyone started becoming an entrepreneur, and they've never felt the heat of a market correcting. Believe it or not, I looked this up. 41% of current startups are surviving off of loans and lines of credit right now. That's scary. 41%. So I think it's about to get real scary in the entrepreneurial industry. And I think over the next five years, we're really going to see a change in the people that are just want to be entrepreneurs and the real entrepreneurs. I think people forget that statistically over the span of entrepreneurship and startups, 90% of them fail. The only reason why that isn't the current rate is because people are pouring money into entrepreneurship right now. When the market corrects, not only are 90% going to fail, I bet a whole lot more than that are going to fail. And not to make this like real dark, but I got to imagine entrepreneurs are going to start committing suicide. They're going to start really going off the deep end. And I don't, I don't mean to say that like, take it to the extreme, but these are individuals that have never felt pain. These are individuals that are going to ex be experiencing failure for the first time because a lot of people in our generation are hopping into entrepreneurship and we haven't felt pain to save our life. And a lot of these guys are going to lose everything. So I don't know. That's my thought on where it's going. And I think, I think it's really going to weed out a lot of startups. I think a lot of people are going to be big trouble. So you think the market correction is going to come soon? I mean, we have to be on the tail end of it. There's no way that's that we're like, not in the ninth we inning. Saying, though, right? That's what we keep saying. I'm just so curious. I don't like, know. We're pretty volatile right now. For, right? We're pretty darn volatile. Oh, we, yeah. But I'm so curious because we've been saying that for like, we've been saying it for quite a while. Yeah. I'm curious when it's going to happen. The bear market, like the longest bear was what, 10 years? I don't know. Whatever it is, it's usually, all I know is what we have to be in the ninth inning because we're what, 10, 11 years into growth. And like the longest growth period to this point has been like nine years or 10 years in American history. Either way, they're either going to have to say sorry for what they did in 2008, 2009 to fix it and re-hike up interest rates, which is going to make a correction or it's going to self-correct on its own because that's the only way it can grow. So I don't know, but I, yeah. I have no clue. I just, yeah. that's just what I believe. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, not to get too far off the point, but yes, I, I agree with you in the fact that I think the, a market correction is really going to be interesting to see how 
the entrepreneurial world reacts to that or is affected by that. It'll be very interesting to see. All right, we want to hop to Joe's question. We're, I don't know, a little out of college now, and we've gotten to see some people come into the workforce um, from college, and we can see kind of their characteristics and traits and things like that. So I was kind of curious what you guys think is the the most common trait or characteristic that is missing from people coming straight out of college into the workforce, whether, whether it be the most common, the most impactful. I think the biggest problem or the biggest thing college students are missing is this idea of critical thinking, problem solving, and willingness to fail. I think they're all in the, like the same category. And I just think it's amazing. I believe in organizations, our generation will come into an organization, they'll have a problem, and they won't be able to figure out how to solve that challenge, and they immediately go to the higher-ups to ask how to do it. If you looked at a poll of what employers say the biggest problem is with current millennials or college students, that is their number one thing, critical thinking. And I'm not saying our generation needs to go out and pretend they know how to do everything. Now, if you enter the market or you enter a new job and you don't know what you're doing, you can ask for help. The big difference is you go to your boss with two or three solutions you already found, and then you ask your question. Because the thing is, me as a boss, when I have people or when I have people come up to me and ask me questions about a challenge that they run into, if they just come to me and ask for help and that's it, I just think, well, you're incompetent or you just straight up didn't even try. But if you come to me and you ask me a question and you actually have a few solutions, I might think all of them are wrong, but at least I can trust that you have a handle on, you have a good grasp of what you're asking me, what the challenge is, you've taken the time to explore it. So I was thinking about how you kind of get to that, and I think that's the biggest problem, and I've, we've all harped on this before, but supposedly universities are supposed to teach you critical thinking. Mm. Supposedly you're supposed to learn problem solving, but based on how university teaches basically the teaching style, it's kind of the opposite, at least in my opinion, because we go through a system where you basically, you have to get it right the first time to avoid repercussions from there on out, right? You have one time, one single time, and that is the complete opposite of what happens in the workforce. Maybe if you screwed up one huge contract that horribly, you're gonna be let go, but it's not likely. If you're truly trying and you fail, you will get another chance. But that's not how school works. You get it wrong once, you get an F. So that's where I think the university system is kind of screwing up. And I think the way that people can combat that is, number one, you could look for an internship, but look for like a real internship. An internship where even if it's unpaid, the company is willing to say, hey, try a bunch of things, explore a bunch of things. We're giving you full control, make mistakes, but at least you're learning some critical thinking or go around campus and like volunteer, become a part of different groups, different clubs, and really take on a role that requires you to come up with new ideas and think for yourself and take on new challenges. Or even if you decided tomorrow to basically make your hobby a reality and create a website or do this and that, it's gonna force you to think differently and that's what the market currently needs. And I think that's what we lack in today's market. So that's, that's my answer there. If you don't mind, I would want to touch on one thing that you said that I really liked and I want to emphasize is when someone comes up to you and just point blank asks you a question. 
and and then they're quiet. That's that's an extremely annoying thing. It's what what I was taught and what I've heard that people appreciated um, from me when I was asking them was I not only asked them a question, but I told them my process of how I thought about it and what I tried to do to kind of get to the solution. And in that sense, then they can tell me where I went wrong, you know, in that process and things like that. And they can tell that I actually put that effort in. I think that's so big. People tell me that they really appreciate that I actually put the effort in, even if I'm totally wrong, which is usually the case. And I think I just wanted to emphasize the point that I think it's great for our listeners and for ourselves to do something like that is when not only asking people questions, but critically thinking yourself before asking them, thinking how you may solve this problem and the process to do that. And really quick off of that, sorry, Brady, and then you can answer, but I just think people have to be really aware that as a boss, as the owner of a company, when I hire you, I'm not hiring you to be me. If I wanted to find solutions or explore new options on my own, I just do it myself. I only hire you to be different and come up with different opinions than me. So if you come to me and you just ask me a question and there's no insight from you, I'm pretty much thinking on day one, why the heck is this guy here? Like this guy brings me no value. So I think that's really important for people to understand. That's actually the mindset, I believe, of most managers, most CEOs, most founders. That's who they're looking for. And if you don't bring that to the table, you're not going to last very long or you're not going to rise in the company. That's for sure. I got three of them. One of them you guys touched on. So the first one, and I think you, I guess you partially touched on this one as well, ability to deal with adversity. I don't think people do that well. I've seen it personally. We're in a society right now where pretty much everyone is getting the same good enough grades, getting through school and have never really had the experience of a true failure or going into a project where you're so far over your head and it's just you. It's not you with a teacher or you with a group. And for the first time ever, you have to go out and solve something on your own without a framework. And a lot of people will flutter and fail if you haven't had those experiences. And it's not the problem that you flutter and fail. It's that people don't know what to do. People go into panic mode. People are scared to fail in the first place. And people don't know how to handle that. So people completely shut down after that first failure because we're so ingrained that failure is a bad thing. So the first thing is the ability to deal with adversity. And that goes back to what you were saying, experiences getting those experiences, working through those things, working through complex problems that don't have frameworks in them. But that's a huge thing that I noticed that people don't have. The second one, and we've also talked about this before, but I recognize how important it is the more and more I get into it is emotional intelligence, EQ. A lot of your success is good or as bad as it sounds. Some of it's based on talent. Some of it is based on how well you can read a room and what what people are expecting of you and what people are looking to get out of certain situations and even how well or how poorly a meeting is flowing because building those relationships and working with those people and being able to decipher what people are actually saying with their words, with their actions is a huge, huge, huge piece because as you'll realize, everybody has a different way of approaching problems as people have a different way of proposing problems or proposing solutions and being able to figure out how different people do that and navigating that world is 
extremely, extremely important. I really can't harp on that enough because it's amazing how many talented people you see that have the technical expertise. And it's not a sociability. It's just being able to understand what people are saying, understand what is expected and traversing those situations. Those are my biggest two. I'm going to hold my last one to see what other people say. And then I'll throw it in if it doesn't get touched on. Mine is uh, drive. I think that a lot of people that once they graduate from college, they think that they're just going to get a job right away. They think that it's supposed to be handed to them. Once they get to that job, they think that I'm going to work. I'm going to come in, go through the motions. I'll be CEO in a couple of years. And I think a lot of people think that, and it's the drive that some people don't have that they don't think that when they get there, they actually have to put in the work to get to the highest spot that they want to get to. And they think that people get pissed if like, let's say someone comes in and you're a two-year employee and you put in that work and all of a sudden you're going to be the manager of someone that's five years in. And that five-year person's going to get pissed and they'll be like, what the heck? I, you know, I've been here for however many years I should be next up. But it's the person that has been there for like two years that actually put in the work. I think that's something that people need to realize is that I see a lot of kids that I went to class with that are still looking for jobs. And, you know, they'll post the occasional thing on LinkedIn, like, oh, you know, I'm a hard worker. I did this and this in college. And they're not doing anything to benefit themselves to actually try to put in the work to get that job. And they're just waiting for someone to come to them. Oh, that's a uh, great insight, Brandon. (laughs) Um, Thank you. I think one thing that is missing from college students coming right into the workforce is just kind of thinking differently, thinking about different paths and thinking that they can do something else. Maybe it's because where I'm at right now and where I see kids coming in, it's very set in stone what you're going to do, where you're going to be in the next X amount of years. And I think just thinking differently would allow you to open up so many different paths and maybe even at the same company or something like that but just thinking you can do something else other than just what people tell you you can do be like people lay out a path like this is what you can do you can um, start here for two years then you'll be promoted to here and then you'll be promoted to here and then basically you can see in eight years where exactly you're going to be and what work you're going to be doing and things like that and people just like are so set like narrow-minded in the fact that okay this is my path that's given to me I will just take that and move along with it instead of okay well this is the path they're suggesting but what else could I do could I could I go off to the side and and do something like this could I do a different type of industry work or something of that I just think the mindset of thinking differently has really been lost and could really be improved in our in the college kids coming into the workforce. I agree. And so I, I like that one. And I think my last one has been touched on by a couple of people, but I kind of branches off what you just said. But the third one that I was going to say that's been touched on, like Brandon said, drive. You said think differently. Bobby's was critical thinking. And One thing that I notice is whatever people have different terms for it, but being a self-starter, taking something and running with it. Um, I think people are always looking for, I think Bobby, you put this really well, is that like, I'm going to wait for like my manager to tell me to do something. And yeah, like maybe you need the oversight of like, what's the ultimate goal, 
but people lack the ability to just take something and run with it without a framework of like, I want you to do A, B, C, D, and E. But like, ultimately that's not your manager's job to do. He's just there to guide you and provide you with the oversight and the, and the knowledge when you need it. And kind of like putting the rails on you to say like, no, you're too far left or you're too far right. But I think people are really concerned with either doing something wrong or stepping out of bounds or not doing it the right way. But like, what you were saying earlier is you're hired to do that task. And there's usually not just one way to get it done. And people almost think that, oh, I'm going to do it the wrong way. So people hesitate to just take something and run with it and say, like, here's what I found. Even if you don't come up with a solution to say, like, I invalidated options one, two, and three. Like, I don't know what the answer is, but I know these three things don't work. Like, that's still a value. And I think people lack that just taking something and saying, like, okay, I'm going to take this as far as it goes. And then bring my findings back to someone rather than saying like, I don't know what to do. Someone please tell me where to go next. And and this causes an extreme amount of efficiency too, right? Because from here, it's going to go to, oh, great. Now me as the manager, I'm going to be handholding full time and going to be going step by step every time through this process. And I'm not going to get anything done. I might as well be doing the work myself, right? And so this whole thing of people hesitating causes these inefficiencies and i think it can really be it's like a sense it's a sense of autonomy right like taking something being able to work with it and not needing someone to like say what you said and like hold your hand along the way like yeah you're gonna fail it's not always gonna be right but like you're hired to come on and figure out the right way to do it figure out the way that works for you that's going to provide value to whether it's your own company whether it's you're hired by someone else. And I think that's something that I see often that is a roadblock or a barrier to people getting to the next level or, yeah, I know it's a big word, to getting to the next stage in their career or the next stage in wherever they are in their development. I got a question. I'm just interested, whether it's personal development, whether it's just use cases, I'm curious what your guys' favorite app is right now. Could be like a website that you use, could be an application on your computer, could be an application on your phone. But I'm kind of looking in the sense of, of self-development or something that you use, what you use most often um, on your phone. And then on top of that, if you have an answer, what do you not have that you wish was an application that you say, gosh, there's this need in my life and I wish someone served it, but it's not there. Mine's not an app, not trying to get sentimental, but it's you guys. You guys help with my development. I was trying to find the right quote and I think I found it. This is very sentimental, guys, so get ready. (laughs) Surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with positivity and people who are going to challenge you to make you better. And that's what you guys do for me. And I think that's really good. And I think that if I wasn't around you guys, I don't know what I would be doing to have someone push me. And if we weren't doing educating entrepreneurs of the podcast, I don't know what I would like be doing with my day. Because I like think back now from like, what, what do people do when they get home from work that don't have something like this? And I think to myself, I'm like, I would probably just be sitting watching TV or like playing video games or something. And so I think people need to find the people in their lives that motivate them and that will help develop them and get them to where they want to be. Because if you don't have that, like, I mean, even if you don't have that, you might find someone like, I don't know, I don't even know if anyone's reached out to you from high school or anything, Bobby, but like find someone that makes videos all the time on Instagram and like, pushes people and like reach out to them because it's 
people love talking about themselves. I'm sure Bobby would love to talk to anyone about himself. About himself. Yeah, about, yeah. Not anything else, but <laughs> about his companies and stuff, and like how he can help people, and like any of us. Like I'd be fine if someone came and asked me anything. And it's like you have to find those people in your life if you're not motivated, and you have to see where it takes you. And I think that's something that's really helped me because I like now I feel bad like when I come home and I watch TV I'm like I could be doing something way better and obviously you need downtime for yourself but now it's just like I need to actually be doing something that's going to help further me becoming a better person wow you got deep yeah I like it I'm gonna go uh, wipe my tears (laughs) (laughs) well I'm gonna go a little different route with mine and I'm gonna give you two actually one is more personal development one is a little more maybe motivation, I would say. Um, so first off, I'm going to start with the motivation and it's pretty simple, but it's Spotify. And I know that's not something you're not, probably not the answer you're looking for, for one of them. Can you, you know? uh, can you stop spinning that pen? <laughs> but if, if you guys listen to this podcast, um, I, I believe it wasn't maybe in the last, no, it was two episodes ago. I think it was where I talked about how music has had such a big inspiration in my life, and it's it still does. And and Spotify, it allows me to do everything. Gain motivation, gets me hyped for a workout. It'll relax me before bed. I mean, it does everything, and it's it's such a powerful tool, and that um, that people underutilize. I feel like going over to the um, self develop personal development. It's something that. I'm an accounting kind of guy, and uh, I we've talked about it, but I use Mint um, quite a bit. It's a if you if you're not familiar, it's it's a budgeting app, but it does a lot more than that. Um, you can check your credit score, um, just keep track. There's a lot of different metrics in there that really help with your spending, and it's it's helped me a lot. I feel like I've I've especially over these this holiday time and stuff like that, you can get a little out of whack. But it really keeps me in line, and I love looking at my finances. So that's something that's interesting. But there is another app out there. Well, I, there is to go to your other point. Um, I'm gonna wait till we go around, and then yeah. I'll get back to that. Awesome. Okay, so believe it or not, people out there, we are starting to do some show prep and actually look into the questions. And I'm a little. Uh, too involved in web development right now. So I read development and I thought, what tools are we using to develop things? Not personal development. So I don't know that's, if you want to share those. No, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean it in just a self-development. I just mean like what tools are like making your days better? What are you most utilizing? Okay, so number one, I'm not really using any personal development tools at all right now. As much as maybe I should have time, I just haven't and taking time to do anything with personal development. So the two, two tools that I highly recommend for people is Sketch. And I don't know if you guys have heard of Sketch, but it's basically the digital design toolkit that most all developers use nowadays and a lot of marketers use. It's only, I think it's 99 bucks for the year. It's well worth it. You can do pretty much everything in the world on it. And I can't recommend it more. The second thing is all of you people out there that are interested in creating your own website to really try to sell whatever it is you want to do out there or just make a website to make it thrive themes for WordPress. It's something pretty much everyone in the world can pick up on and it will allow you to customize and build your own website. Obviously there's a few things in there you can't do and there's some 
custom HTML you'll have to add in, and that's fine, because honestly, you shouldn't need it unless you're trying to create some software or something like that. But Thrive Themes, it allows you to do anything you want to do, A-B test everything. You can make your own personal branding page. You can make your own e-commerce site. So highly recommend that. Those are my two that I use pretty regularly. And then the tool that I wish someone would develop, and I know it's just too expensive, but I really wish there was a free content builder out there. So the biggest problem I have is I'm trying to create content or we have, we have podcasts, we have videos, pictures, everything, and it's easy to create this stuff, but it's hard to edit all of it. It's hard to create intros and closings to everything, like edit all the pictures with quotes, stuff like that. It'd be really cool if there was a tool out there that just allowed you to search through like 10,000 templates, so it's still pretty original. You could just drop stuff in, and it would create openings, closings, quotes, stuff like that. So you could just create the content and then not have to worry about that long process of editing it. So that's what I would love to have really badly. It's a good one. Do you guys want to share the one, if you have one, of something that you wish was out there, if you have one, and then I can give mine? Yeah, this totally might be out there already. I haven't done my research. But I'm always, I always feel like I'm dehydrated throughout the day. Like... No matter how much water I drink, I always feel like I'm dehydrated. There is some type of thing on my phone and somehow connected to my body that just constantly <laughs> tracked my levels of hydration. Oh, man, I would pay a disgusting amount of money <laughs> for something like that. <laughs> All those product developers out there, that's what they want to hear. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. No, that's kind of the, that was actually kind of like what I was looking for is something out there. Um, so I have two tools that I use. One's an app, one's a website, depending on, on what you do. The app that I use every day that without question and has been so helpful to me is an app called Headspace. You guys have probably heard of it. It's a meditation app. It's so, so good. Um, I have no background in meditation. I honestly don't, I never really liked it, but it's really easy to just like follow along your five or 10 minute things. And like, it's a good way for me to start my day every day, or a lot of people use it to go to bed at night because it's just very, very relaxing, but it's all guided. You can get, um, I think it's like 10 free episodes. They might have more than that now, or you can get, um, a subscription. And I think it's like three 99 a month, something like that. And you get access to all their stuff, but incredible, incredible thing. It has helped me immensely just like clear out and like help you think about things more clearly and calm down when you're stressed out. And, um, that's one thing that I, I like wouldn't live without right now. Um, the other thing is a website and it depends on this might be useful to you. This might not. And you guys have probably also heard of this, but the noun project, it's just a ton of different free icons that are vector based. And so if you're, if you're making decks, um, PowerPoints, if you're making slideshows, anything like that, it is an awesome place to get graphics and makes like decks look a lot cleaner without having a ton of, ton of text. You can use the noun project. It's all free. They also have a subscription thing, but you can get it all for free. You just have to say where you get the images from. But that's one thing that has helped me so much with uh, my decks and like just through my last couple of years of college and now. So those are the two things. My thing that I wish was out there, and I've been kicking this around. I'm, I'm interested in what you guys think about it. I was talking to this, talking about this with someone, and I don't think we're ready for it yet, but... I think it we're going to be ready for it. So with like the big boost of 
IoT, Internet of Things, and how everything's going to be interconnected. The one thing that I would love to have is a mint, but for lifestyle factors. So something that aggregates all your data and will give me like a one page picture of it, either on a website or on my phone. So it could tell me, because now we're going to get into smart homes. It's going to tell you when your lights are on, when your lights are off, what's in your fridge, what time, when your TV's on, how hot your house is, how many hours you sleep a night. All that stuff's going to become interconnected as we go forward. And I would love to have something um, that analytically based could give me a picture of how I'm feeling based on things that I do throughout the week. So on Monday, I worked out 60 for 60 minutes and this is what my max heart rate got to, or on Monday, the TV was on for three and a half hours and like how I felt on Tuesday, or I slept for six hours over the night and how I felt on Tuesday. And it could give me an overall picture of that on my phone. So it'd be similar to a mint where it brings together all your payments, everything that goes, all your transactions and says like where they're going, coming from. I would love to have that. And we're not quite there yet, but once things become more interconnected, I would love to say what time I turned my lights on off at at night, what time they came on in the morning, how tired I felt during the day, how productive I was, um, how much time I spent in my house that day versus how much I spent outside and give me like a holistic picture. That's something that I would pay huge money for. Cause if it's something that could make me more productive, make me um, more efficient. And I think it really could. And I, I think that's something that's going to be coming, but it's just aggregating all that data and putting it in one place. Cause I do all that like already. I look at, um, what I'm eating and how much I'm sleeping and what time I go to bed and what time I wake up and then try to manually figure it out. But it's a lot harder when you're flipping through 30 notebook pages. And at some point this is all going to be interconnected. So that's one thing. And I know it's kind of an out there idea and it's not there yet, but it's something that I was kind of been kicking around a little bit. I think it's a really interesting idea. That is interesting. Okay, so we'll finish up this episode with our quick fire weekly wrap up. And let's just start it out with Big Joe. Ooh. Big Joe, what did you do this week? What were the highlights? This week I was, well, like last week. Last week, sorry. Yes. Um, so last week I was, uh, I was out in California doing some um, process improvement for um, the company that I work at. And, uh, it was a very interesting experience, um, just cause I've never worked at this company and spent a whole week basically not doing anything client related. We, we like focused solely on internal process improvement and it was amazing. So much what got done and so, so much was achieved. It was, and so I think um, our processes moving forward are going to be that much smoother and that much more efficient. One thing I did kind of struggle with, though, was the transition from working strictly on client-related items going towards internal process improvement, because that's not something that I'm very focused on. And so to be working on this all week, it was, it was very, very different and quite a challenge, but learned a ton. And uh, looking forward to some better efficiencies in the work going forward. Brandon? The last week for work, we're going through with everyone kind of their year-end review. So that was good to have and kind of get a better understanding. And finish my personal development plan for work, just where I see myself going and talking about that with my supervisor. Figuring out a plan to get me to where I do want to go and 
the next steps that takes. So that was good to get that done and kind of have a plan going into it and set up more meetings with my supervisor, whoever it needs to be to progress on that. And then I guess just outside of work, achieve my goal of working out more. I worked out four of the five days of the weekday. So that was nice. And it felt good to get back into that and started reading on my break instead of sleeping in my car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a waste of time. And so reading, (laughs) we have a fireplace at work. So I just go and sit by the fireplace and read. So it's kind of peaceful to get away from my desk and not sit in my cold car. Um, I didn't get to doing my budget, which is probably something I should have prioritized, but I'm going to get going on that. And then I think the last thing was developing a social media plan, which I kind of got going, but I have to focus more on that as well, just to actually get a strategy and not wait last minute and be like, oh crap, what am I going to do here? And just fire off something. So and that will kind of go in towards next week and try to keep those things going. And yeah. Good stuff. I think I might pick up on that sleep in my car during lunch thing. Kind of like that idea. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> I've never heard of that. That's incredible. I've been focusing a lot on, I talked about last week, community partnerships and our volunteer organizations. I'm working on two different boards right now and trying to get our, starting a, a new community partnership with one of them. And then the other one we are working on expanding. We've got about five, it's a uh, mental health organization. And we've got about five universities um, on board right now. And we're trying to get that to about 10 to 12 by the end of the spring. Penn State is one of them. Probably one of the biggest schools is Penn State right now, but trying to expand out on the East Coast here. And um, the other one is setting up a community partnership with kids with physical and mental disabilities. Um, and that's a first time thing. And we're working on, on doing that. We had two Christmas drives this past uh, month. And we're trying to see how much funding and how much integration we can get with uh, their organization. So that's been a lot of my efforts. Um, also working on integration with um, some of our health service technologies here and kind of using, utilizing the technologies that are coming out and emerging technologies in, in different lines of work and how we can improve uh, veteran care and active military care. So um, those are kind of the two big things I've been working on pro- professionally. Personally, I've been focusing a lot on what I was talking about meditation. It's been a good way to like clear my head. And I've just been thinking a lot clearer during the week. Um, so I've been doing that. And my big push is, is better sleep schedule. My sleep schedule right now is just absolutely terrible. And it kills me because I just hit a wall for an hour or two during the day. And I, I want to get rid of that. What'd you say? Sleep in your car. Yeah, yeah. I haven't tried that yet. So maybe I'll, I'll mix that in. But um, just the problem is I'll have nights when I, when I go to bed at 11. And then I have other nights when I'm going to bed at 2 o'clock. And I just got to get on a better schedule because I'm getting up at um, between five and like four thirty and six every day. So just getting on some sort of schedule, what I can get a, a standard five or six hours of sleep a night at least, just because I feel so much better the next day and can be so much more efficient. Because the days that I don't, I just waste a lot of time doing subpar work um, to me. So that's a big thing that I gotta. I'm pushing forward on. My thing this week is uh, or last week, spent a lot of time with attorneys trying to figure out attorneys kind of a disaster zone that I didn't really know about as a startup. I didn't know if you wanted to become a really big company out of the gate. It's all a matter of how your articles are created right out of the gate, depending on how many people you bring on board. So I've basically been trying to find the attorney that I'm going to pay the rest of my life savings to that will be a part of my life from here on out 
from the moment we start to the moment we sell. The second big thing is we found our web developers, which is awesome, but one of them's from China and he's brilliant, but we have to sponsor him. And for all of you out there that don't know what that means is basically we have to pay a boatload of money to get them sponsored and then we have to pay an attorney a boatload of money to get them sponsored and then we have to pay him to get them sponsored. So basically before the process even starts of him working for us, we have to pay about 10 grand just to basically tell the government he's working for us. So even though he works for Cargill, just for him to work for another company, we have to pay a bunch of money and it's stupidity. The last big thing that I'm really focused on this week and last week and the week prior and we talked about this in Educating Entrepreneurs. I'm really trying to make sure I commit to the things that I know I can get done. 100% I know I can get it done every week. And those are measurable things. So, for example, we're looking for interns. Instead of saying I'm going to get two interns this week, the way that I'm measuring it is I'm going to reach out to 1,500 students this week, email 1,500 students, and whatever happens with that is great, but it's something I can measure. It's specific things, tasks that I try to accomplish every day, and if I get them all done by Wednesday, that's great, and I can just keep working on other tasks after that, but I know I got everything done, and everyone can rely on me, and that's really what we're trying to do in educating entrepreneurs now, too. So that's it. So awesome. Thank you so much for joining us in this week's episode of Pocket Thoughts. We'll see you next week. And like us, share us, maybe subscribe. Do something to help <laughs> us out. We'd appreciate it. Have a great week, everyone.